Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. So there's always the, for the pastor, the public gathering, preaching. Uh, there is the one-on-one or the uh, the couples counseling, small groups, um, you know, all of the above. Um, do, do you find that you are better suited for large group addressing suffering, sin, one-on-one, or do you feel like there's not a difference for you and your personal uh, personal strengths or comfort in those two settings? Um, so th- there's definitely a difference in terms of comfort level. I am much more comfortable in front of a group. It could be a group of 15 or it could be a group of 500. It could be uh, even into the thousands. It doesn't bother me in terms of size of the crowd or anything like that there's no nerves there's no um anxiety or or anything like that no matter how big the crowd is uh to stand up and say something now i don't like getting up and giving announcements in front of a crowd <laughs> like that I, I don't like doing that because I, I i don't know i find them not that profitable but anyway uh it, it i do think that the sitting down with individuals in a one-on-one or one-on-two like you would do in a couples counseling type thing um there's more anxiety there there's more nerves there because there's a lot more discovery that has to take place there's a lot more listening it's it seems to be a lot more of asking the right questions and and hearing them Mm -hmm. out and you know there's always a bit of anxiety just in terms of just you know that there's an interpersonal thing going on too Mm -hmm. there's a do we do we mesh well together Mm -hmm. you know does it does conversation flow am i asking the right questions am i getting you to to Mm -hmm. talk enough um are the questions that i'm asking are you understanding what what those questions are and you're understanding what i'm getting at and you're giving me the information that i'm that i'm actually seeking um i think there's always that dynamic there that's not there when you're at the Mm -hmm. pulpit let's say um that changes the tone Mm -hmm. maybe in the room a little Mm -hmm. bit and so that that tends to be a little bit more nerve wracking for me, but um, effectively I find them to be about the same in terms of what my goal is, mm-hmm. um, whether in public or in, in private counseling. Yeah. The, the, what about you? But what about you? Yeah. I would agree with what you said first. The, the role is the same, no matter where, no matter what room you're in uh, as a minister. And for that matter, as a Christian, uh, th- there's no time when, when a Christian is in a room and his goal is, or her goal is only to, um, you know, ther- do therapy or offer. Uh, I mean, obviously there are times when we just listen to one another and we we don't have to correct or try to fix each other. But the word of God is always the ministry. It's always the uh, the answer to um, suffering. It's always the direction to confusion. It's always the correction to sin. So whether you're preaching or one-on-one counseling or discipling someone as a Christian who's not a pastor, that's all. That's always the ministry. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely definitely tracking with that. I, 
I, I think over the years, um, I, I feel comfortable in both. I feel comfortable in large group settings where there's kind of one direction preaching, and preaching is never really only one direction. There's always interaction, but um, you know, there, there's one speaker in preaching, and it's the pastor uh, with the gathered church. Uh, and then counseling is, uh, like you said, a lot more listening. Uh, Proverbs 18, too, a fool has no desire in understanding only to express his opinion. Uh, the, the pastor in counseling has to sit down and do a lot of understanding before he just spouts out his understanding of what he thinks is, is going on. And I feel very comfortable in both of those settings. I think smaller groups of 8 to 10, 15 are <laughs> my least favorite um, because um, the, the, I just find those harder to, to navigate. Uh, mm. and actually deal with something when someone says something and I realize okay that's coming from a heart that might come from something like this it's harder to deal with in a group of 8, 10, 15 people than it is uh, being able to speak more sharply and clearly in one on one so um, yeah I, I think increasingly um, I feel able to um, understand uh, sin struggles, recognize sin patterns uh, in one-on-one or in couples couples counseling uh, to the point where I, I enjoy it, even though it's difficult. Um, I don't fret over it. I don't feel totally over overwhelmed, although it can be um, heart-wrenching uh, to sit with people in a lot of things. Um, you know, I've said in counseling, I've said in everything from you know, divorce, suicidal, demonic oppression experiences, you know, parents needing counsel with teenagers. Um, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I've seen it all because you're, as soon as you say that, something will happen tomorrow that you yeah. haven't seen. Um, but walked through some pretty dark uh, things uh, with people. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think it, so. I would ask you a question. Do you feel like there's a you you kind of mentioned there's a difference in dynamic? What would you say is the difference in dynamic between preaching and counseling? The the same is that there's a ministry of the word. Would you see Would you see differences in the preaching versus office counseling ministry? There is a difference between a preacher and a counselor. I think mm-hmm. um, I don't think there is a difference between a pastor who is in a counseling session mm-hmm. and a pastor who is at the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's fundamentally a difference between those two. Mm-hmm. The difference, the, the, the dynamic difference is one is in front of many and there's no response mm-hmm. um, or, well, if you're in if you're in a Baptist church, there's no response. <laughs> hey, listen, last week, well, like. listen, you say that, but last week, uh, my sermon, I said I'm going to start with five applications, and then I'm going to preach on heaven after that. And when I said that, someone goes, "Yeah," out loud, and I was like, Wait, "What? What? What?" You, you've been waiting for this. You've been waiting for the applications to be up front. 
finally so, he's gonna apply this so, thing yeah, I, to us. I get I do get some feedback yeah, every good. now and then like that. Um well, yeah, I have a couple of people in my congregation and I'm like that that will say something and then they'll like kind of borderline apologize <laughs> to me and I'm like, What are you talking about? I want you to do that. You know? <laughs> but just the other day this is a total yeah. aside, but just the other day, uh, it was a, in a sermon and it's, it's, I think it's in the, I don't listen to the podcast or the sermon recording, but, um, I'm pretty sure it's recorded, but it's, it was part of my introduction, I think. And I, I was asking like, you know, what do you kind of look for in a church? What are you searching for in a church? And I, I mentioned the temperature of the yeah. room, which is always a running joke around, around our church is like the temperature yeah, of the I heard, room. I heard the uproarious. And, uh, laughter. Oh, did you? Did yeah, you listen it to that? Was pretty loud. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's a it that's was, a thing at their church. Michael wasn't just talking about yeah. like churches in general. Uh, there, no, no, there's no. some history there. <laughs> no, there's a really lot of history. To some and, what, and what's hilarious, like it does, because like the ladies will tell you by and large, I think that the room is really cold, yeah. and the men will tell you that it's very mm-hmm. hot. Or that they like it when it's colder, mm-hmm. um, and so it's kind of an ongoing like battle and things like that. And the funny thing is, like, a lot of people think that I control the thermostat, <laughs> and you know, I've probably maybe two or three times made some suggestions. Wow, it was really hot in yeah. there, or whoa, is whatever to whoever you know runs the thermostat or whatever. And so it'll be like colder the next week or warmer the next week, or whatever. Which I never want it warmer, yeah. but uh, <laughs> you know, and so like, so for some reason, like people think that I have like controlled the thermostat, and so they'll make jokes with me and all this kind of stuff, and and anyway, there there's a one particular lady, and I mentioned her in the sermon, you know, that that kind of goes back and forth, and we joke back and forth. She's in our small group, but she, we go back and forth about the temperature of the air, and it's just it's anyway, it's funny. And um, what was the question? I don't even remember what we're talking about. <laughs> well, there's, is there feedback and? in the sermon like when you're when you're preaching it's not like, oh, it's yeah. not like counseling but you might get some some feedback yeah i think so that's right it's not it's the dynamics are different in that normally there's it's you know you're preaching and there's no feedback directly from the congregation but at, but then i think when you go to a counseling situation obviously there is question and answer there is conversation there is that kind of dynamic difference. Mm-hmm. So the the dynamics of the two are slightly different. But my goal and what I'm actually accomplishing, I think, is fundamentally the same. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you are preaching from the pulpit or whether you're counseling, my role as pastor is to take the word of God and feed the sheep. Right. That doesn't matter if they're in my office and they've got copious problems or and and which who doesn't but they're you know working through all these different dynamics of you know uh whatever it is disorders or or you know marital strife or or family issues or any of those kinds of things versus you know them being in the church and listening to a sermon it's effectively the same thing i'm to open the word of god i'm to give it to them and feed them with right. it. If and, someone were, and that's so that's my if job. If someone were to say, for example, uh, you know what, preaching is great. 
Like it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. But what I really need is counseling. That, that would, there would be a, that might be true. You, you might have some things that you need to work through that are, you know, we're going through a sermon series on Revelation. <laughs> is, is that every week going to really precisely help you with your struggles? Yes, but maybe not to the degree that you you need. So it might be true, but fundamentally, that would be a, a problematic. Maybe not to the, what do you mean? Not maybe not to the degree that you need. Maybe not to the degree that you want, but it's to the degree that you need. Yeah, but to the the point being, um, that would be a false dichotomy. Well, preaching is not helpful. What I need is counseling. That would yeah, be yeah, false, yeah. right? Could right, be right, true right. to a degree that you really, you are having trouble disconnecting the sermons to what's going on in your life. Um, maybe the pastor has chosen to make applications to couples for six weeks in a row, and you're a single, and you mm-hmm. have some questions about what's going on in singlehood. So th- those kinds of connections might not always be, and you might not always be able to feel them and sense them. So, uh, but that would, I would definitely agree. That's a false dichotomy that uh, what, what right. I really need is counseling. Preaching isn't really, it's not really going to help me. Um, right. To, to say that would set people up for really misunderstanding the usefulness of preaching. It would set people up to not show up on Sunday morning and listen with attentiveness and do the work of listening and applying what God's Word has said and, and making connections and becoming really lazy in listening to preaching, where the pastor's right. job is to know me like, like a one-on-one counselor, and the pastor's job is right. to you know get down there like a surgery— and put everything right down, drop it right down into my heart, and and do all the work, and I just leave Address fixed up. Need, yep. That would be a, a right. problematic. You you will be very frustrated listening to preaching if you think that's the pastor's job. If you right. want to get that from your from your preaching every week, uh, instead, uh, I don't have one in front of me, but it's uh, is it Christopher Ash who wrote "Listen Up," that little pamphlet on listening yeah. to preaching. I think it was so helpful. Uh, we've given yes. out before. Um, that we have a stack of them on the desk that are free yep. to take, and just just gives you the a, a great a great grasp of how to listen to. Pre- and that might be another podcast for another day of follow up. What what do you, what should you be doing when you show up on Sunday morning? How yeah. do you lean into a sermon and not just sit back and you know hope something connects? Um, uh, so so that said, there's it sounds like. I don't want to get Buddhistic about everything. Whether oh, there's a ditch on this side, there's a ditch on this side, there's a middle way (laughs) to everything. But the one error would be um, preaching isn't like counseling, so it can't do any of that kind of work in my life. It it can't help me like that. It can't actually help me with my life. Well, no, that's exactly the point. If you will hear it and obey it. But the other side of the dynamic is asking the question: Are there things that can and do happen in one-on-one counseling that don't happen uh, in uh, in uh, in a preaching setting, and can and can we say that there are things that are that can happen in counseling without obviously without saying preaching is insufficient, and somehow saying preaching in the gathered church is um, it's limited in what it can do. And, and an, an unnecessarily narrow preaching down 
Is it, so does it make sense, the question? Can, can we say that there's a difference between yes, preaching yeah. and counseling? Something counseling can be helpful in a way that, that preaching in the church, it, it can offer more than that without diminishing the power and the applicability of preaching itself. Um, well, let me see if I can, because I think we, there, there's a difference in the way that we see, or, or I say, I should say not difference, disagreement in the way that we see the function and role of counseling, I think. And um, I, I, so I don't know if I can necessarily address the, the exact question you asked or get at exactly what you're, what you're, you know, asking, mm-hmm. but I would say it this way. First of all, that preaching itself doesn't help you. That's not, first of all, the goal of preaching, but second, it, it it's not the mechanism that the Lord uses to provide you help. Mm-hmm. His word is the mechanism that provides you correction and help. And, and so for that reason, we preach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so as an example, I could say something about preaching. I could say preaching, you know, corrects and, and trains in righteousness and does all of the things that counseling does. But I wouldn't say that about the preaching of Joel Osteen, mm-hmm. right? Which is designed to be self-help. I mean, that's basically what his preaching is kind of designed to be. And I would say it fundamentally does not accomplish that. Um, 2 Timothy 3, the end of 2 Timothy 3, Paul says, all scriptures breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, Mm -hmm. that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. He doesn't say preaching is breathed out by God. He doesn't say the preacher is anointed with the infallible words of God. Uh, he says scripture is, and so then he exhorts Timothy in the very next, just a couple of verses later, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, complete with complete patience and teaching. Um, and so his, so the exhortation coming out of the word is breathed out by God is therefore Timothy, preach mm-hmm. it, give it to people. So I would say, uh, so I guess to answer your question, there is nothing in counseling that cannot be accomplished through pulpit ministry because the word is opened and the word is doing the work. Now, in a counseling situation, you might hear a question and you might better be able to to kind of help them see what you're saying or connect the thought to the the you know, the ground of of scripture. So you might better be able to do that if they're able to ask you, but here's my situation. And you're able to say, yes, let's take that situation and let's look at what this scripture has to say about it. And how do we apply this scripture exactly to your situation? So you might be able to better do that. That is some of some of those dynamic changes, but that's nothing that cannot be done through the pulpit. And so it's not that I would say the, the pulpit is insufficient to cover that particular need or address that particular need. It may just be that the, the person isn't seeing the connection mm-hmm. and it better may be able to be made in a one-on-one, but that could also be done in just a follow-up question to the pastor after the sermon, yeah. you know, you know, here's my situation. I, you know, this, that, and the other, and that pastor is able to say, 
so in that look how this applies mm-hmm. you know um but that's nothing that couldn't have been done from the pulpit if the pastor had known yeah. as an example but i also think it's fair to say like if i'm um if i'm preaching a i'm trying to think of an illustration yeah i'm, I'm preaching a series on marriage for four weeks and someone is wrestling with suicidal thoughts uh, about, you know, that, that stem from childhood trauma, from abuse from their parents or something like that. They might not even know that. Um, but, you know, they're, they, they've missed days a week at work. Their job is on the line. Uh, they've tried medicine. They've tried uh, psychology and psycholo- you know, psychiatry. They've tried things, uh, and they show up to church, and you're preaching on marriage every week. Uh, it it could. I mean, I, I have been amazed over the years at people, you know, being helped by God's word about a situation that I'm like, I don't see the connection. I, I would have never thought you're going to walk in here and hear today's sermon, and then walk out being encouraged about that that thing. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have made that connection in counseling one on one. I wouldn't have made it on paper, but it helped. Right. Um, but it does make sense for me to someone for someone to sit through a few weeks on marriage. And be at the peak of their suicidal state, and go. I'm I'm not able to to grasp this. Now, part of part of the thing is too. We're asking: Are we are we preaching uh, when we're doing that marriage series? Are we preaching the gospel every week, or are we preaching tips on marriage? That would be another question. If you're preaching the gospel, in as you preach about marriage, which and you and I have talked about before, every week is a gospel sermon. There is no... Some, sometimes we preach the gospel, and sometimes we, we teach about how to live as a Christian. Uh, no, we're always preaching the gospel. Everything is by, through, for Christ. So, yes, in a sense, you ought to be able to show up in a marriage in a, in a marriage series and just go, well, I heard the gospel today. I, I heard forgiveness and healing. I, I heard renewal and being born again being the source of marriage and I realized that's the that's also the source that I need in my life uh, period not just my, not just my marriage uh, but it's also possible for someone in their in their state to show up and go I'm I'm really struggling to have the connection and I need to talk to someone about what's going on um, that doesn't mean preaching has failed or that it's inadequate or that it's insufficient do you agree or no um, I, there's several questions in there that I, I, I would, what I would say would be ever, I think in our culture, we tend to think that our need is the pressing one and that our specific issue has to be addressed. And we refuse to listen often mm-hmm. unless the topic concerns precisely what I'm dealing with. Right. And so we feel as though we need special counseling. Yeah, and which not to interrupt, but it, that's why a lot of preachers go topical. They think they can hit all the nails on the head by getting to a topic and addressing it like that. And right. That's, that's not how and it works. It, and it takes on a more counseling tone from the right. pulpit. It ends up being unexegetical and, preaching, eisegetical preaching along the way. Right. Right. But if, as an example, you used a marriage sermon. Mm-hmm. 
uh, or a marriage sermon right. series, and the person shows up for a 10-week marriage sermon series or whatever, and they're dealing with suicidal depression, and they are single, yeah. and they're listening to a marriage series. Um, the preaching has failed if the preacher continues to preach the shadow. Ma- marriage is a shadow. It's a, a picture that God has given to the world of Christ's, Christ in the church. And Paul tells us as much mm-hmm. in Ephesians. And so if the preacher gets up there at the pulpit and continues to preach the shadow, then yes, that single person who's dealing with suicidal depression is going to be completely lost. Um, and the preaching has failed. But not because the word of God has failed or not because counseling is better, but because the preacher preached the shadow rather than preaching the ultimate reality. But if he got to the ultimate reality, what he would see or what he would show his people is the grace of God in sending Christ to die for us, um, the redemption of, uh, of our sinful souls, um, new creation, um, the fact that God loves you and that you should expect that whether it's depression or uh, overeating or lust or name the struggle is going to be with us continually. And and our uh, goal needs to be, our, our desire needs to be to hear of the grace of God to us, hear a confrontation with sin, hear uh, the need for repentance and confession, mm-hmm. the need for uh, community and people to confess your sins yeah. too. And even, um, even in my the own need for regular means the, of grace. The suicidal guy shows up. You're preaching on marriage, and you're laying down a foundation for marriage based on, on the gospel. And uh, marriage is husbands lay down your wife, your your life for your wife. Uh, wives submit to your husbands as to the church. And your suicidal guy shows up and, and realizes. I have been the recipient of a marriage that is not based on the gospel. I've been abused by a father who was right. not in a marriage like that. Now I realize this right. is the whole problem from my parents down right. to me. So the sufficiency of preaching and the ability of the Holy Spirit and God's providence through the sermon to connect with someone is incredible. And it is beyond, I mean, you and I have talked about this often, it's beyond what we could possibly know every week when anyone walks in uh what what the holy spirit will do and what god's providence will do in preaching um so i think that's really helpful um so i I guess a question would be what is the place is there a place for a pastor as counselor at what point do you say hey you need to come to my office and we need to talk through things or uh if you keep having trouble with that call me and come sit down is there kind of a litmus test for you in your mind that you go okay this this needs to come to my office or or someone else you know another couple in the church you you need to work through this on purpose and with some focus uh which is really what counseling is is taking that ministry of the word down to small group and more personal surgical application yeah, I mean, there's certainly, I think, a, a role of pastor as counselor. But what is the pastor doing in that counseling session but essentially taking the word and applying it directly to a situation? Mm-hmm. 
rather than generally to a congregation. Mm-hmm and helping them make the connection to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my when I sit down in counseling with someone, let's assume, first of all, the person is a Christian, okay? Because um, that changes, I think, the dynamic. One is more of an evangelistic conversation, and the other is uh, you have the foundation mm-hmm. of Christ. Um, so that, that makes it different. But... Assuming that the person is a Christian, my goal is to help them think God's thoughts mm-hmm. after him. So is to take the situation that you're in and go, okay, but think about what the scriptures say mm-hmm. about that. And here's what they say. That, I think, is fundamentally different than what a counselor is going to do on the outside. Mm-hmm. You know, a counselor is going to go, you know, let's dig into your family history. Let's do this, that, and the other and I'm not as much concerned. Look, we, we, we're all going to have some version of family history, mm-hmm. of some sort of family baggage. Our parents were sinful. They are going to, in one way or another, mess us up, so to speak. They're going to have an influence on us that is going to be negative. Some of them is going to be positive, too, but, but there's also going to be a negative influence because they also were a product of the fall. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be family history. There's going to be all sorts of baggage that any person brings into the pastor's office. So it's not necessarily the job of, of, of me or of you know any pastor really to, I, I think, um, dig into a lot of those things and unpack those things as if those are the uh, essential core problem. It's really to take the Word of God and give that to people and unpack it in their situation. Mm-hmm. So essentially, it might be kind of a oversimplification, but a pastor's job in the counseling chair is really the same, in my view, the same as it is in the pulpit, except that it's just personalized. It's I'm not making an application generally to something that may not be particular mm-hmm. for you or may not you may not be a particular concern to you but you might be single and I might be applying it to a, a parent let's say um, but uh, when you're in the counseling chair all of the applications are directed at exactly what you're the situation you're in you're you're single never been married don't have any kids so I'm not gonna you know apply things yeah. to married person. Yeah, and I take counseling right, to be kids. the opportunity instead of just someone walking in, I'm having a hard time with my marriage, and they walk in and go, okay, well, let me let me preach Sunday's sermon to you, which is uh, read the Bible, do family devotion, pray for your wife, be nice. That counseling is going... That's the law. I mean, I wouldn't preach the law. Like, that. you're not... At that point, you're not preaching grace anyway. So, like, you, I would never give that to somebody as... I, there, there may be practical outworkings. Here's what we need to do to apply to this situation. We need to grow, so we're we're going to, you know, exercise the regular means of grace. But I'm not going to sit down with somebody and go, okay, pray, read the Bible. I mean, basically, that's just uh, you might as well say, "Thou shalt not murder." Thou shalt not. It's it's you're basically just giving them the law at that point. Well, that's not that's not the goal of preaching anyway. That's not preaching Christ. Yeah, my point wasn't that you're going to give law and not gospel. You're obviously going to apply the gospel, and you're going to try to get down into reasons that you're, uh, where is your perception of Christ faulty? Where is your not looking to Christ in faith for your own sin and for your own sanctification? Where is that absent? But in counseling, you're going to take a good 20, 30, 40 minutes 
to listen, where is their sin? Where is their actual lack of faith? Let them talk. And as they talk, you can begin to hear, well, they, they don't trust God for their security. They don't believe that they're forgiven. They don't believe that their spouse is forgiven of sin. They, they, they have right. a misunderstanding of the gospel themselves and you're not mm-hmm. just kind of lopping on more instruction or even gospel instruction uh just on generally like kind of a bomb to explode in general but you're listening to uh where is the precise area of sin in in their heart where are they in sin or lack of faith are they in rebellion against god are they weak in strength are they hostile to god are they just exhausted uh, you know, you think about Paul in First Thessalonians, where he he says to admonish the idle and and help the weak and the faint-hearted. Am I who who am I talking to here? I'm I'm going to talk to people differently, right. based on are they are they weak and exhausted because of uh, sin, because of someone else's hurt toward them, both and. It's it's more of a surgical process uh, to get down into the heart and get down into the mind and see what is actually going on in there and then and do and the, and then apply the gospel there uh to to them in the moment but that that's a main difference between counseling and preaching is i'm i'm declaring i'm taking the text and i'm declaring the point of the text to my congregation applying it holistically to my congregation like i would in counseling right i mean when i come to the pulpit my applications are thinking about my people, what, what's going on, and, and I'm applying it. Right, right, right. Of Not course. just like a sermon out no. there in the air, sure. But with what's going on in our church, right, of course. Um, so even that is just replicated in counseling, but extremely personal and, and narrowly to their their life, their heart, and their suffering. Yeah, but so I think the 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 difference would be. I think between where we're the two things that we just said, I'm not necessarily disagreeing that you're taking the gospel to a situation and applying it. I think the turn of what I'm saying is I want to help them understand why their particular sin struggle or sin issue or whatever it is, is prohibiting them from taking a sermon series on marriage where the gospel is being preached and applying that to this situation. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't think of, I can't even number how many times in counseling situations I've gone, that's exactly what we were talking, what I was talking about on Sunday. Because this particular issue in the text is applied to this situation, but you didn't make that exactly. connection. And you need to make right. that connection, and and so I think the my goal in counseling again is to help them see that your sin issue or your I, I wouldn't even necessarily say sin issue like I so you know I, I I think we've talked about it a number of times I went through an issue with depression here. Um, for a long time, and it was particularly dark. Um, but it wasn't that my, it, and it wasn't that my issue was a part, particular sin issue. Like I wasn't committing sin, and that got me into depression. I think it was 
that I would say that that still is a sin issue in the sense that I'm experiencing the product of the fall. Like depression won't be forever, right? Um, and so, uh, you know, that is still going to prohibit that that struggle with the effects of the fall in my own mind or my own soul. Um, is is going to prohibit me in some way from being able to take the text of Scripture and apply it. And so I think to the person who's depressed or the person whatever, there there's going to be obstacles that they're getting to that are, that are prohibiting them from, on Sunday morning, listening to the sermon and applying it. But it's not as though my time in the in the chair in the office with them in counseling is any different than it is in the pulpit. It's basically just helping them kind of cut through the clouds and go, that's what I'm talking about. And that that's why that sermon on marriage or sermon on whatever you thought it might have been about was about Christ and about your need for him. And that's what is evident here in this counseling session is that that's exactly what yeah. you need. And that if you'll if you'll you know, really ask the Lord to give you those sorts of things in the Sunday sermon, you'll see that those Sunday sermons are applying mm-hmm. to you. The text that's read, the prayers that are prayed, the prayer of confession that we do every Sunday, the songs that we sing, those are God's ministry to you, and He's giving you what you mm-hmm. need every Sunday. It's not me doing it. It's not any of my staff doing it. They get up there and pray and and lead in singing or whatever, or any of the volunteers in our church that do that. It's not them doing it. It's the Lord feeding his sheep through the word Mm -hmm. that's given. And and you need to not see your issue as different than what is being supplied on Sunday morning. It's precisely what's being supplied on Sunday morning. It's the gospel applied. That's all I've got. I don't have anything mm. else. You know, I don't have, you know, uh, whatever, psychological training and, and things like that. I don't have medicine that I prescribe or anything like that. I've got the gospel. That's all I've got. And so when you sit down, we're going to go through basically the gospel applied to your situation. Mm-hmm. And so fundamentally, I think it's the same as what I'm doing on Sunday. It might feel a little different. It does feel mm-hmm. different because the dynamics of the room are different. But effectively, it's the same mm-hmm. process, Yeah, I think. Yeah, it is the same process, but I, it, the point is even in your illustration, you describe that some people need help. There's an extended ministry of the pulpit into the office. It's it's an extension of the ministry. It's not a new ministry. It's not a different ministry of the pastor to sit down and counsel someone. It's the extension of the same ministry. So like you said, you could walk into the office and go, well, listen, I said it on Sunday. I just need to help you. I just need You need help applying it right now. You need help understanding it for yourself uh, if, it, if, it, if it's not making that connection on Sunday. Right? I don't know if I understand the distinction that you're you're getting. I'm at. saying there's not a distinction between the principle of preaching the word in the pulpit and counseling the word in the office, but in your illustration there was a you know, a need uh, some some disconnect where someone uh, needs to come sit down and realize have extra help in understanding well how does what you said on Sunday actually apply to my life because I'm I'm having I'm having trouble making the connection. 
And it doesn't mean the spirit is not working. It doesn't mean the sermon is insufficient. It means that there's pastoral ministry that needs to happen after the pulpit for that person. And yeah. that's not that doesn't mean the word is insufficient or the sermon. Well, you should have you should have picked a different application this week. <laughs> yeah, but that's what I'm saying. the The role of the counselor and the role the role of the pastor as counselor and the role of the pastor as preacher are not different. Where we we started this with a conversation that was before this record before right. we hit record, basically, where we we kind of were on different sides of the fence. I think one you I think I was saying that that the role of pastor as preacher and the role of pastor as counselor is not fundamentally right. different. Not that I don't do the counseling in a chair in my office or that I don't do the preaching from the pulpit, but that they're not fundamentally different. And I think you are saying that they are different, that there is a, a difference between the preaching ministry of the pastor and the counseling ministry mm-hmm. of the pastor. And I'm saying the goal the purpose the function even the 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 way um the counseling session goes is not fundamentally different there's some dynamic difference because there's one person sitting in front of you and there's listening there's exchanging and there's there's a uh, asking of questions and things like that um but when it comes to preaching and the preaching and teaching ministry of the pastor versus the counseling ministry of the pastor the two are, they dovetail. They they go together. They're they're uh, they're they're the same effectively, in that I'm taking the word and I'm applying it to somebody's life. Whereas there is a, a real job out there that is counselor that you don't have to be, even be a Christian mm-hmm. to do. There is a, a counselor mm-hmm. out there, and his goal is really fundamentally different than that of the yeah i mean we're living in an era right now where um the idea that you know preaching is great but i need a counselor is prevalent right and even even beyond that you know the the pastor's counsel in the office that's great but he's not a professional and and let me just stop and say there are times when a pastor needs to realize he's over his head that that he might be in a situation where he has not been trained, he is uh, unskilled in the ability to sit down and handle the gravity and the depth of and, and the complication of what is going on in a room with someone. And I'm not even going to begin to try to you know, say, say where that bar is, but that does exist for... M- but let's put some flesh on it a little bit. Where, where, would, where might some of those lines of distinction where where would you draw some of those lines um maybe not all of them but just maybe an example or two yeah i i think when it comes to um uh, childhood abuse uh when it comes to suicidal uh, uh ideations in terms of uh, uh it, it there are just so many complex issues that not every pastor has the experience or the training to handle the Word of God like that one-on-one. And it's not just the Word of God, it's the ability to even understand what's going on in someone's lives. It's not that they can't hear a situation and go, 
you know, what's the answer for depression? I've got the ESV Bible. It's categorized. I can go depression. I can go back here and find some verses for depression. But not every pastor has the skill to even understand what's actually going on in someone's lives, how to ask questions. What, what's the third or fourth or fifth question to keep asking in order to get down and understand what's going on in there? I don't think pastors have that. They're not trained to do it. And, and every counseling book I've read from uh, Deepak, uh, Reju, to uh, Heath Lambert, uh, to Hard Cases, I mean, they will tell you. I mean, it, 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 it goes both ways. So you've got Deepak Reju in Pastors and Counseling who's helping pastors realize, um, you know, we, we are typically under-trained for counseling. We, we come in. He talks about this in the book, Pastors and Counseling. We, we come into pastoring thinking pastoring is only about teaching from the pulpit, and we are untrained. We take one or two counseling classes. They're very generic, and we are unpracticed in one-on-one pastoral ministry. We get trained in, in preaching more. We get opportunities to preach more when we come into the pastoral ministry. So we, we need to come up to—we need to grow in that skill. It's very low among pastors, most commonly. But Heath Lambert has a book called Hard Cases where he comes from the other side as well and says, we have a big problem that goes back to Freud and goes back to counseling in the 70s where we think, um, you know, multiple personality disorder, that can only be handled by a psychiatrist in the professional office over there. Well, no, that's not true. You can apply the Word of God. I mean, I've had someone come and sit in my office uh, in physical pain, seeing visions of demons, and unable to eat and get up and go to work. And I don't listen to that and think, oh my gosh, I've got to go find a professional. No, that's my job. That's my world. That, that's the Bible's hope. That, that's the hope of the gospel and the Holy Spirit to do those things. Uh, now, some pastors ought to have the wherewithal to go, yeah, that terrifies me. I don't, I don't know how to handle this right now and be, have the wherewithal to say, I need help. I need help with this situation because I'm over my head. And I'm just going to start taking stabs at it and just start throwing Bible verses on stuff and hope that something sticks. Um, so it's, it's both and. If you think counseling is only for professionals, especially non-Christian professionals, but even Christian professionals, you, you – and I agree with what we are talking about before you start recording – that – you can often get what you need from a lowly brother in Christ who will preach the gospel to you at your house, who's not a pastor. Yeah. We need to hear that. But pastors also need to hear that, um, so, we, so we don't need professionals. We also need to realize that not everything can simply be handled by, we'll believe the gospel and pray. Right? Well, well, Jesus died for that, and there's healing for that. That it's not always that just kind of plastic application, and we just hope it works out. People need to know how the gospel applies to me and this pain and this sin and what's actually the idol in my, in my heart, that, that kind of work. What, what is the sin in my heart? So have you read uh, Sinners, uh, not Sinners in the Hands of the of God, um, uh, you know how people change. Have you read that? Uh, it sounds v- familiar, but I I or don't Paul remember. Kind of redeemers. Was it a podcast at uh, any point? I'm just what's kidding. Paul Tripp's book. What's the name of the Redeemer? 
something hands of the redeemer i can never remember the title but you've got the picture and um they they borrow this and use this in a ministry we've done uh here called um called steps you've got the tree right you've got the roots and you've got the fruit that grow out of the roots you've got sin lack of faith weakness down in the roots and that produces uh angry outburst it produces isolation it produces sure. um addiction uh right you're, you're afraid you're lonely so that that becomes addiction all, all those kinds of things so the the ability to patiently get from okay this is the fruit in your life you're angry Okay, but why are you angry? Are you afraid? Are you selfish? Are you uh, disbelieving God? Do you think that you're God and you own the world? You think you have a right to everything, so you get angry when you don't get it? You don't just need to try harder to quit being angry. You need to realize you're not God, and you don't get everything that you want. You don't control the whole world. God is God, and that's what anger is. So, so the the ability to help people get down into their own hearts is a lot of what counseling is. It, and it but I don't think it's different than what you're doing at the pulpit. That is what it you're is doing exactly what we're doing at the pulpit. I mean, we're not doing it as surgically yeah. or as personally for for each individual. No, I, mean, I, mean, I, I think, think it you are. I, but I, I mean, th- a li- what's a life group supposed to be doing? You know, hearing one another and going, brother, what, could it be this that's actually going on in your heart? Right? I'm not trying to make it out to be a professional-only thing. But that kind right, of... Right, right, right. I'm helping you personally uncover your sin uh, and, and the hurt that's down, you know, the, the rebellion that's down in your heart uh, and expose it for what it is. That can happen in a, in a life group, you know? Um, right, but, you, but you've also just taken what you're defining as a pastoral role in counseling and generalized it to something that every Christian should be doing for other Christians. Absolutely. In disciple in discipleship. Right. So like what I what I'm saying is in the function of a pastor there is no difference from what I'm doing in the pulpit to what I'm doing in the office chair. The the role, Absolutely. the goal, the function of what I'm giving them is the same, and I and I, I think where where I agree. we differ, I would push the line of where a pastor is like I can't, I can't help this. I would push it much further back than like maybe Deepak would, uh, though I haven't read a whole lot of what Deepak, so it's unfair for me to comment on him. But um, well, and I, well, well, what uh, Lambert was doing he, in his book Difficult Cases is he's giving example, example after example, from you know disassociative disorder to eating disorders to um, depression to abusers and showing how they don't need therapy. They don't need what the world has been offering the last five decades. What they right. need is the right. gospel applied by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. And right. so you've got cases, Agreed. all these cases that you think that would never be able to be helped in a pastor's office. And actually it right. is and it does because it's a sin problem, because right. it's a spiritual problem. It's not only physical. Now, there are right. physical problems out there in the world. Right. There are problems that, right. by God's grace, medicine can help. But So, the, so that right there is like a, the, the distinction that I would make with a pastor is saying that's when it's too far. Is like, like if somebody comes into my office and they said my blood pressure is really right. high, I'm not going to prescribe to them reading the Bible more. Mm-hmm. 
as a means of bringing their blood right. pressure down. Right. You know, there's a, and, and so, you know, uh, like that, I, I think there are issues that are medical in nature that it is not a product of, of someone's sin. It's not a product of someone's sin. They might be growing like crazy in Christ. They may be uh, confronting sin and things like that and still have uh, something fundamentally wrong with their brain. We do live in a fallen mm-hmm. world after all. And that, that something that by God's grace, medicine can address mm-hmm. and, um, and, and help with. And I have several family members that are in that situation, and they they are helped by those things, and and so that's great, that's wonderful, and I think there there is a line there where a pastor is like, well, this is a, there is a medical issue going on here, and you know, and so I I mean I gave the counsel to somebody this, you know, just a couple of weeks ago about that very thing. It's like there are medical issues, and and I'm not going to mm-hmm. prescribe, I can't prescribe medicine, nor would I, and and that's that's above my. That's beyond my pay grade. But when someone, um, when someone but comes, I think for you're right. And to counseling in my office, for example, if if it is depending on the scenario and what I know, I will ask people to fill out a form for me, which includes their sleep habits, their eating habits. Are you on any medication? Do you feel comfortable sharing what medication you are on, and why? Um, uh, do you have health concerns? Are you sleeping at night? And I ask all of these questions to to know now i'm not saying i'm not making a conclusion about those things yet and i'm not going to have them i'm never going to have someone walk in and say hey you need to get off that medicine and you need to trust god (laughs) i'm not a doctor (laughs) and that's not that's not my job but i may be able to discern you're you're taking medicine for anxiety and i know that anxiety is not going to be ultimately fixed by medicine it might be medicated by medicine but anxiety is helped by the gospel. You get peace through the gospel. You get peace through the power of God. Um, so that that that's the minist- That's preaching. That's just exclaiming the gospel, and hoping and praying that the Holy Spirit applies it in their heart. Uh, so it's the, it is the same in that sense. Yeah, but like I'm never gonna. I'm never going to ask people what their medication is, um, what their sleep habits are, or anything like that. I mean, we might talk about it while we're in the midst of counseling, but I'd never have anybody fill out anything or come in with that knowledge ahead of time. Um, I think that it, there is a difference between the way we function, uh, you, between you and me, I think, in the way we see the, the role of counselor, pastor. Um, because my, my job really is to say, you know, depression, I've been there, I know where you're at and I know what that mm-hmm. feels like, but let's get down to the gospel issues at root yeah. here. And that's my point is those things, I mean, and I'm taking the chapter out of Deepak's book, I'm not trying to one up you here, but that's, that is exactly what that kind of form is supposed to help you do. Realize where are the gospel issues. What is the disbelief or the sin that is happening in your life? And and not only kind of... But it's not inherently a sin to take anxiety medication. It's not a sin to take anxiety medication. No, I didn't. I'm not saying that. Yeah. So what sin issue is being exposed? I don't know. That's why I'm asking so many questions. 
Why are you are you sleeping? Yeah, but I are think you eating. Are you taking medicine? You're going to see a doctor. What happened to you? How are you feeling about things? What's your relationship with your spouse? How do you feel about your boss? Why? Do, and as they talk, as those things come out, and you get a holistic picture, you can begin to see uh, what's actually going on. Is it a lack of faith? Is it a have you actually been sinned against, and you don't know how to uh, manage being hurt uh, with a gospel perspective? What what's actually going on in there? Uh, in your in your heart. Yeah, but all of those things are not different than what you would just ask normally of a person, is it? What do you mean different than I would normally ask? Like, is it different than what you would just normally ask in a conversation when somebody comes in and goes, look, I'm, I'm depressed and, you know, it's hard to connect to this marriage sermon series that you're on or this study through Philippians or you know, revelation or whatever it is you're, you're preaching through. It's hard for me to connect with those kinds of things because I'm dealing with depression is, is uh, those questions that you're getting at, are they beyond what you're going to just ask if you're just put on the spot like that? I mean, it it depends on the, on my perception of the severity of what's going on. So if I perceive, Hey, you know, this is a pretty daily struggle that most people have with feeling sad about life or unmotivated come to my office let's talk you need some encouragement you just might need some time you know just to be encouraged with someone else uh, or go, go talk you know, here's, a, here's a phone number for another brother uh, go, go have lunch with them and just let him encourage you uh, and the perception of uh, this is so long historically this is so all encompassing that I can't figure out what's going on I see the fruit I understand you're experiencing difficulty but I don't know why so I have a lot of questions for you to try to figure out what's going on and I want you to fill out this form that, that gives me uh, a holistic picture of your of your life um, and and how you're dealing with things and and why and where they come from uh, that that's what counseling is just listening so if you if you were to put your finger on the difference between what I'm saying and what you're saying the role of pastor as counselor, what would you say it would be? I think there's less differences than we actually think, but I think the difference between preaching and counseling would be the pastor sits down and listens to this individual to get greater clarity about what's going on in their lives, either hurt they've experienced or sin they have committed, so that you can more accurately and surgically apply the gospel to their heart and life. It's the same ministry as preaching. It's just surg- It's just more surgical. And that's not to say that preaching has an insufficiency. Preaching isn't ever like that. Because if you're preaching the gospel from the pulpit and uh, the Holy Spirit makes a connection between the gospel preached and the word preached, any subject, any text, to what's going on in your life. I mean, I've had people... Um, I've got a text from someone right now who I just <laughs> remembered became a Christian by listening to Matthew 4 being preached about Jesus going into temptation mm. and then being baptized. Mm. I mean, it's, so that, that no one would think, hey, preach the gospel this week. We'll preach Matthew 4 and the temptation in the desert. And <laughs> like that. But that someone became a Christian listening to that sermon. And so there is, there's never a way and a time to say the preaching of the word is insufficient. But the holistic ministry of the pastor may need to be help people individually, and this is discipleship. I mean, there's such so, thing as so, discipleship. We have right. So that which was yeah. my next question is: 
can that job that you're describing be done by the average Christian I mean, I think that would be my question for you. If you get a phone call, so-and-so is uh, suicidal, and um, they have uh, been dealing with uh, alcohol, would you just rotocall your church members and just say, man, just any, any Jane, Dick, or Harry who's a member of our church would do to go over to the house and meet this brother in his suicidal state and help them in their marriage? Now, would I do that? Probably not. I would go over there to their house, but because I received the call, it, well, okay, it was but let's say put you've in got my garden, so to speak. Like that this week. You cannot take all of those phone calls. Can you just right. randomly pick a member to go over there and hope that it works 100%. out? 100%. Not hope that it works out. Know that it will work out. 100%. The, the, that, what you're describing as being able to take the gospel and apply it to a person's life by understanding their situation and coming alongside them is fundamental to a Christian's job in discipleship. And I think that that's probably the biggest area where we disagree is that I think that job can be done by any Christian. And I think it is done by any Christian on a regular, on a regular day, on an everyday basis across this world. That Christians come alongside other brothers and sisters who are dealing with deep issues and unpack them for them every day. And I think our role in the in the pulpit is training and equipping the saints Absolutely. for that work. But, but the question is, you're in that moment, you've been you you're you're extended for the week. You have done all that you can do and still prepare a sermon. Would you think of every member of yours the exact same? as able to handle that moment. There are some that are more mature in a bit in and able to do that. And there are some that are probably not as mature and would be overwhelmed by something like that or wouldn't think of the gospel implications for things like that. And but I would say there are some who I would think, be unable to do that. Just like I would not take a new Christian and put them in um you know, discipling someone else. Because they are immature. Uh, and, you know, I think where our conversation began really is, is there a disconnection between teaching in the pulpit and counseling? Right, so the question has changed a little bit. That That's another question. Um, you know, can you teach on a Sunday evening and then not also be expected to sit down with someone one-on-one? That's an extremely important question. And I, I wrestle with that myself. Um, but I would, not, I would definitely would not say that. I, I would not depend on just any and every member to go in those most difficult, dark moments. And now they may be able to go over and, and help. But, I, but see, so I'm not, I'm, to be clear, I'm not saying that, that I think every Christian would be uh, equally equipped with the Word to be right. able to do that. And I, that's not the claim that I made. I did say that there were some that were less mature that probably would be overwhelmed by that and not really think of the gospel implications mm-hmm. at work here. And some and some that would be more mm-hmm. equipped to that, and there would be some that would be you know first on the list. You know, I'm dealing with this. You have to go deal with this. Um, you know, and some that would probably be last on the list. But I I I think that in general, someone another brother or sister coming alongside someone who's dealing with let's say suicidal issues or marriage marriage issues, big marriage fight, you know, going on. Um, that there there would be a number of people that would do a great job 
going over and intervening in a couple's life who are really at each other's throats to be able to sit them down, counsel them, and help them and make great inroads. Not only could it be done, we're not talking in theory. I've seen it done. Mm -hmm. It's happened. And it's happened well. And it's totally different than I would do it. It's totally different than I would do it. But it was wonderful and and really helped that couple. And that couple continued to come back to the the same struggling couple time and again and continue to come alongside them and continue to help them grow and check in on them. And all of a sudden, the problem goes from something that, hey, only the pastor can solve this, get out of my way, to something that is the body is taking up as a whole. And now not only is the mature couple helping out the immature couple, but they've also brought in other mature couples to come alongside them. They've let potentially a pastor know and more couples come alongside them. The pastor might be able to go, hey, you know who else would really help with that? I happen to know this guy over here would be really good helping this immature mm-hmm. husband. And and all of a sudden now the body uh, is rushing to the wound to help fix it rather than just the pastor going to the wound to help fix it. There, There is no way possible that the pastor could ever, first of all, have all of the skill sets and giftings necessary to be able to, you know, handle all those issues that the body is uniquely equipped with. I mean, you know, and they do it different. Mm. They, the, the people that come alongside, the mature believers that come alongside them, you know, they, they do it different but than, than potentially a pastor yeah. would. But it's effective because they're applying the gospel not just in the word, not just they're, they're able to say like, well, here's the issue that you're really having, and, and let's dr- drill down to your family history and things like that, that the pastor might do, but they're actually just living with them. They're telling that young husband, look, why don't y'all just take you know, 24 hours, you come sleep on my couch. And they're, they're like digging down into the, the life of the person and they do it different than potentially the pastor would be, but it's effective and it's helpful because God uses the body to, to heal the mm-hmm. wound by applying the gospel. And so I think, you know, the counseling, I think what, what potentially has been, you know, understood as, as the, the pastor's job is very one dimensional. You know, it's let's sit down, let's talk, let's dig into your family history, let's do this, that, and the other, and then let's apply the gospel to the situation, help you understand the gospel. Whereas a person who's less kind of trained theologically in that sense is going to perhaps err on the side of more practicality and say, you're going to come sleep on my couch, you're going to live with me, we're going to deal with this pornography issue by getting down in the dirt, and, you know, you're going to you know, we're going to do this, that, and the other, and I'm going to be there with you 100% of the time, you know, that, that sort of thing. And it's going to be life on life discipleship. And it's going to be a lot different than what the pastor might do in the office, but it's effective and it's helpful and it's applying the gospel to their life. And it's every bit as much counseling as what the pastor would do. Yeah, I, I would agree with all that. And I think, you know, a good way to kind of wrap up here is that there, uh, you know, if I have, uh, a way to come back to the middle, it would be, uh, you know, er- every every pastor is going to be on some spectrum. You know, either you are um, you know, a dereliction of duty by not counseling yourself, by not actually 
growing in that skill and there's a need and not we're not trusting members not equipping members um to to help um so i'll, I'll tell me what you think about this as a good close uh you know this is deepak's book the pastor and counseling the basics of shepherding members in need uh and he ends with his last few chapters about how you cannot do this alone equipping members uh getting help professional counseling you know uh your life groups all of the all of the above um but up front, he says, for counseling, we should keep the following in mind. Jesus Christ is the means of change. Believing his gospel changes our hearts' responses. All theoretical wisdom and practical advice in counseling should most centrally promote a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith. Jesus Christ is the goal of change. Displaying his character is the model of maturity we strive for. Circumstances may not change and problems may not go away through counseling, but God's promises uh, but God promises the power to respond in ways that reflect the trusting obedience of his son. Counseling in its simplest form is one person seeking to walk alongside another person who has lost his or her way, <laughs> which is very similar to Bobby Jameson's definition of discipleship uh, in his book, uh, which is one person helping another person follow Jesus. <laughs> uh, he says mm-hmm. professional training or academic programs. I think that's Jesus's definition of discipleship, yeah. by the way. <laughs> professional training or academic <laughs> programs can be very helpful for honing skill, but even if you have not had these, you can counsel if you wholeheartedly embrace God's word as that which shows people their greatest needs and their greatest hope. Amen. Yeah. I think he basically what you're saying is he agreed. I with knew him. you were going to say that. All right. I think that's a great I way to wrap it up. I knew you were going to say that. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have it. And uh, well, So what did I say we were going to talk about next time? We needed to pick up later? I don't, I don't know. Remember. We'll have to go back and listen Peace, to Peace, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think it's, it's a helpful conversation. It's helpful for me. I'm thankful for your... Uh, uh, you know, willingness to, to challenge and work things out. It's helpful. Um, and it, it's good for, for any of our church members to think about their, their ability to help their responsibility. What is a pastor's role? What is preaching? What is counseling? Mm-hmm. Um, we, we ought to give thought about these things and realize there may be ways all of us need to come back to a trusting of God's word, dependency on simple fundamental discipleship, uh, versus, you know, minimizing preaching, maximizing counseling, something like that. Right. Uh, so it's helpful. And and I think too, if we if you and I maybe we would both agree on I think we would um, both agree on this. Like to the to the Christian out there who's just you know attend your Sunday service, you you know do the things at the church, you're a faithful church member, and things like that. Um, thinking of your role as Christian as more than just I'm at my church to get. I'm going to Sunday to receive and really thinking, you know, I not only get how this sermon applies to me, but I can also think of several other people too that this would really apply to. And I can come alongside them and I can encourage them this Mm -hmm. way. And I can take this sermon and I can apply it to their situation that I know and I can help them in Mm -hmm. that way. Come to repentance, be encouraged, um, you know, change maybe some of their their the way that they think or the way the things that they do, and that that is 
your role as a church member is a disciple and really a counselor that I think everybody in the pew is to one degree or another. If you follow Christ, you are a counselor because your job is basically pointing them to the chief shepherd who is, you know, basically the, the, um, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the author and perfecter of our faith. Uh, you're giving them Christ. And so your job as a, as a church member is not just to listen to the sermon and apply it to you, but really to think of the people that can be helped by the ministry of the mm-hmm. word and give that to them. Awesome. Thanks, man. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast.